Hi, everybody. This is Alexis. Um, I am the 2016-2017 co-editor of Montage, and we are doing the author series today. I have Sophie Jeffrey, my co-editor, with me. Hi. <laughs> um, sorry if this is going to be a little rough. Um, we do a lot of giggling. But um, <laughs> anyways, so just a little status update. This will be the last... Um, author series for this semester um we finished our last finals yay Yay! so um we're hopefully gonna get maybe a few more whenever the spring semester starts back up see if fall we semester? can oh fall semester you mean more for this edition or more yeah for not, yeah like this edition ch- i mean maybe. i don't know we'll see we'll play it by ear if anything we'll just come back on and talk i don't know whatever yeah <laughs> what she said um just kidding (laughs) so yeah so sophie is going to read her short story the bluebird so you can take it away okay so this is my story (laughs) the bluebird and it's technically a short story but it's kind of long so i don't know i hope you guys like it bear with us okay Brie gazed out the window in her living room, awaiting her sister Maeve's arrival. She took a sip from her mug of tea, hoping it would warm her. You'd think she'd be used to fall on the East Coast by now, considering she'd lived here her whole life. Her family owned the diner that served as the thriving hub of the small town's rumor mill. Brie had spent more nights at the Bluebird than not over the last 15 years. The place felt like home to her more and more each day. The grease-stained walls in the kitchen, black and white checkered tiles on the floor, and vinyl booths in desperate need of a reupholster comforted her in a way her own home no longer could. They were familiar, warm, and welcoming. There was no sickness at the diner, at the diner no blood-spattered coughs either. She took over the Bluebird temporarily when her father got sick, but for the last six months it had been officially hers. It still felt surreal, although if she really thought about it, part of her always knew that she'd end up wearing her father's apron. She just didn't think... She just didn't expect it to happen so soon. Her father's sickness had spread so quickly, she'd hardly had a chance to catch her breath. One one day, she found him doubled over in the kitchen, coughing uncontrollably. Two months later, Maeve was was insisting she should be able to sculpt his urn. She had taken a pottery class two summer ago, see, and she just knew that she'd be able to capture his essence, whatever that meant. With a shudder, Brie pulled her oversized cardigan tighter around herself. She glanced at the mug in her hands, the diner's logo staring up at her. She couldn't get away from that damn bird. It was a simple logo, the outline of a bluebird sitting perched atop the D in diner. I could change it now, she thought. The diner's mine. Something more apropos, perhaps, the barnacle diner? The tortoise diner? The diner where nothing ever changes? She shrugged the thought aside. The town would all but revolt. If she were completely honest with herself, as much as the diner felt like home, it also bored her. She pictured the regulars now, sitting at the counter in their usual spots. There was Dan, two eggs over medium, hash browns, bacon, sausage, black coffee, with his unpredictably predictable rotation of the same three stories. She could guess by the look on his face when he walked through the doors whether she was going to hear about the time he almost lost a finger at the steel mill, 
the time he caught his son and his friends sharing a couple beers they stole from his garage fridge, or the time he saw Richard Gere at the Sonico off Highway 3. Dan occasionally brought along his wife Margie, short stack, side of bacon, coffee with cream, and probably too much sugar, considering she was a diabetic. Margie was a Mary Kay lady and was always good for an underhanded compliment meant to convince Brie to buy whatever under-eye cream or concealer she was peddling that day. You'd be so much prettier if you just tried a bit harder, Brie, dear. This new shade of lipstick would perk your face right up. Then there was Jake. Oatmeal with blueberries, two slices of wheat bread, coffee with cream, who always sat as far from Dan and Margie as he could get and who had never quite gotten over Maeve moving away. Jake, who had at one point settled for Brie. Jake, who broke Brie's heart when she finally realized he still loved Maeve. Maeve, who was everything Brie was not. Maeve would swoop into their childhood home any minute now, smelling of lavender and lemon and happiness. Her curls would bounce right along with every step she took, as weightless and free as she was. Her smile would be wide and genuine, the result of a life spent in, pers- in the pursuit of passion rather than a paycheck. Maeve left their hometown almost immediately after high school. She flew off to art school and flitted about from one place and one man to another, and recently had decided she was ready for motherhood. Maeve being Maeve, however, couldn't just settle down with any one of the men she'd been with over the years. How traditional, how old-fashioned, how misogynistic. Maeve told Bree that she'd decided to do it on her own and opted to choose a sperm donor from a catalog. Bree still couldn't imagine Maeve a mother. She hoped, for the child's sake, Maeve would at least wait until the child was grown before she decided she was tired of motherhood and move on to whatever sparked her interest next. Their own mother died when the girls were 16 and 12, leaving their father alone to care for them and the diner. Bree went to work almost immediately, expecting Maeve to join them when she was old enough. Her father never actually felt she was old enough, however, and looking back, Bree could see he had a point. While Bree was scrubbing tables and counting tips, Maeve was coercing their classmates into posing in odd costumes and locations around town, determined to become the next Annie Leibovitz. When that changed, or when that failed, she moved on to writing poetry, even hosting poetry readings in the diner on Friday nights. There were countless other pursuits. Maeve moved from project to project, and her father never had the heart to tell her to give it up. Fifteen years later, and the pattern still continued, Bree left to do all of the work, and Maeve free to do whatever she pleased. Finally, she heard the sound of tires pulling into their long gravel driveway. Of course she would be late, Bree thought as she headed to greet her at the door. Maeve leaned in for a, Maeve leaned in for a quick peck on the cheek. On the cheek. I'm sorry I'm late. I stopped to photograph the trees off the highway, and then I just had to have a cup of apple cider. So I drove around searching for an open stand. You know what it's like. No, I don't know what it's like to be able to flit from one craving to the next, Bree thought, but she smiled carefully and replied, I didn't even notice. Come inside. You must be freezing. Bree went to the kitchen to fetch her sister a cup of tea and refresh her own. I'm just going to the loo real quick, Maeve sang down the hall. The loo? Brie wondered where or from whom she picked that up. Brie handed a steaming mug to Maeve as she floated back into the kitchen, hand resting atop her growing belly. I'll be back in there again before long, she joked as she sipped the tea. Birdie loves to kick Mama's bladder. Birdie? Is that what you're naming her? 
I thought it was fitting. You've got the bluebird, and now I've got a little birdie of my own. Bree forced a smile. She looked across the table at her sister and wondered, not for the first time, how they could possibly have come from the same parents. It wasn't just the physical traits, although those were astonishing enough. Maeve's unruly curls to Bree's sleek ponytail. Maeve's freckles to Bree's porcelain skin. Maeve's wild green eyes to Bree's brooding brown. They were opposites in every way, and yet they both grew up in this old, rickety house. Surprisingly, pregnancy suited Maeve. She was wearing a cream bohemian top with brown leggings and boots, and as always, her bluebird necklace Dad had given her when she had moved away. The necklace was pewter, nothing remarkable, but Bree found she could barely take her eyes off it. Maeve wore it now on a long chain, so that it rested just above her growing belly. This bird was mid-flight. Wings spread as wide as they could be, ready to soar off as far as they would take the little bird. She remembered the day her father, their father had given her the necklace. It was early fall. Bree remembered it had just started to cool off in the afternoons a bit. The leaves were barely beginning to change their hue. The three of them were at the bus stop, saying goodbye as Maeve left for art school when their father pulled something out of his jacket pocket. This is for you, Maeve. Your mother would have wanted you girls to have it, and since you're leaving, well, I just thought it would, might be nice for you to have a piece of her with you wherever you end up. Bree knew right then she'd missed her chance. She'd never be able to leave now. Deep down, they both knew only one of them could have ever left. They couldn't both abandon their father. <clears throat> the problem lied in the fact that both sisters had just assumed they would be the one to leave, the one to follow her dreams. It's too late, Bree thought as Maeve's bus drove off, leaving her behind in a cloud of dust and forgotten daydreams. So what have you been up to lately? Maeve asked, startling Bree back to the present. Nothing out of the ordinary, just running the diner as usual. Business is starting to pick up a bit with the tourists coming in to see the leaves, but it's mostly just the regular crowd. You know, I think it's so great that you've got the diner. It must feel wonderful to have achieved that goal. Of course, it's terrible Dad is gone, but I think he'd be happy to see you so happy. Bree didn't say anything. What could she say? If Maeve wanted to think that she was happy, let her. Nothing would change if she knew the truth. If she knew the only reason she stayed to run the diner was because Maeve had left her there. Have you eaten? I can make us something real quick. A little birdie craving anything in particular? She cringed inwardly a bit at the unfortunate name her poor niece had been given. Actually, I'm pretty tired. It was a long drive, you know. We have a full day tomorrow, don't we? Bree nodded. It had been six months since Dad died, but he had wanted to, the girls to spread his ashes up at the Blue Hills when the leaves started to turn. They were heading up there in the morning to honor his last wish. Are you sure you're going to be able to make the hike? Bree wondered if she was going to end up having to do this alone, too. Oh, I'll be fine, Maeve cooed, as long as I can get a good night's rest. I was at my friend's art show until two last night, so I didn't get much sleep. Is my room all right to crash in? Yes, of course. I made the bed for you earlier today. Bree helped Maeve carry her bag upstairs, told her goodnight, and then headed into her own room. She wasn't hungry either. She sunk into her armchair, tried to read her book, Colleen Hoover's latest novel, which Margie had practically shoved into her hands last week. But after rereading the same paragraph three times, she realized it was useless. They were saying goodbye to their father tomorrow, and Maeve was acting like this was just another Sunday. Bree sighed. Of course this was different for her than for Bree. 
Monday morning, Maeve was going to head back to the city, away from this empty house full of memories, full of pain. She wasn't the one who had cared for their father at the end. It was Bree who had wiped the blood from his lips, who had set up humidifiers and crocheted him blankets and made sure he stayed clean and comfortable in his last days. Maeve wasn't trapped in this cage with the ghosts of their past, sleeping in the same room she had always slept in, pouring coffee for the same customer she had been for 15 years. For her, it was one last weekend, one and done, one and gone. Bree went to the bathroom the girls used to share to wash her face and get ready for bed. She paused at the door, remembering how Maeve used to hog all the hot water in the morning and then bounce out of the bathroom, suffocating Bree with a cloud of steam when she finally opened the door. She splashed water on her face, avoiding the ref- her reflection in the mirror as she massaged her temples. She knew the dark circles and forehead creases were there. She didn't need to look at them every day. She closed her eyes. Her hands bumped against something as she reached for the towel, and she heard the sound of metal clanking against porcelain. Instinctively, she flattened her palm over the drain, stopping the long chain just in time. She pulled the chain up, knowing exactly what was at the end of it. The bluebird, seeming to fly forwards and backwards, right there in the middle of her tiny bathroom. She hesitated, then undid the clasp. Reaching behind her neck, she refastened it and looked into the mirror. She stared into her own eyes and barely recognized the woman looking back at her, how long had it been since she'd really looked at herself? She looked, she looked as tired as she felt, but somehow her eyes seemed brighter than she remembered, her wrinkles less pronounced. She reached up and pulled the ponytail holder out of her hair, running her fingers through the sleek strands and letting them fall loosely around her shoulders. The pewter necklace impossibly complemented her premature gray hairs, making her feel regal and eclectic rather than worn and haggard. Somehow, this little necklace had made her feel alive again. Bree tiptoed out of the bathroom and down the hall, hoping against all hope that Maeve was asleep and wouldn't catch her. She slowly opened the door and hopped down the steps, feeling like a teenager sneaking out to meet her boyfriend. Her heart aflutter, she got into her car and started the engine. She drove down the driveway, still with no idea where she was going. She kept her eyes straight ahead of her as she passed the diner. She knew that damn bird perched on the letter D would try to slow her down. She turned onto the highway, the highway, then the interstate, driving faster and faster, feeling her heart soar higher and higher with every mile. She smiled as she glimpsed the tiny lights of her town in the rearview mirror. She knew full well she'd go back in the morning. She couldn't abandon her father or his diner the way Maeve may had. But tonight, oh, tonight, she was free. Free to fly wherever she wanted, to do whatever she wanted, to be with whomever she chose. This was her chance, and she wasn't going to be left in the dust again. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Sophie. You're welcome. Um, so <laughs> some quick things. How about we introduce yourself? I mean, I know everybody's kind of been hearing you (laughs) but like tell everybody your name your um like where you're from okay your major all that i am sophie jeffrey um i am an english literature and writing major with a creative writing minor so all the books and all the writing (laughs) um i grew up in the air force so but mostly overseas like um 
we were stationed in Germany for six years, and I graduated from high school in England, and yeah. I'm a non-traditional student. I guess I should probably mention that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm married, and I have two kids, so I'm like, I'm 33. I went to school for two years at Utah State University, and then met my husband, had babies, got married, moved all over the country. <laughs> and then when we got stationed here, I was like, hmm, I think it's time for me to go back and finish up this degree. So here I am. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and so you're, how are you liking the, like going back to school? Like how, how is it? It's pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> especially right now, like weeks, you know, finals week is always stressful, but I think it's even, I don't know. I don't want to say it's more stressful because everybody feels like everybody's stressed, but um, it's, it's been hard. Kind of yeah. It's been hard to juggle my school responsibilities with my kids' responsibilities, my husband's. And so um, I don't know. It's a little stressful. I'm looking forward to summer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be really nice to finish. So right. let's stick it out. And you're doing something you like. So exactly. Nice. Exactly. Um, so for the story itself, what was your inspiration? So I actually wrote this for class last semester. I took intro to fiction writing with Dr. Mueller. And um, one of the prompts that she gave us, she always gives us like really fun little ideas that kind of spark an um, inspiration. But um, one of the prompts was to write a story about an object that has like... Um, magical powers like seemingly magical powers not actual literal magical yeah. powers but something that one character possesses that another one um either tries to get or gets and it like has a huge effect on them so I just I when I sat down to start writing it I wanted something that could be like a double meaning so um I don't know. I just, so it just the, popped in my head and I just yeah. kind of went with it. So <laughs> no, I think it turned out really great. I think it yeah. turned out really great. It was really fun to write. So yeah. Um, so do you want to make this a longer story <laughs> or do you want to keep it just like a short little for class? Thing? Um, probably not. I mean, I kind of feel like the story is told, like, I feel like if I made it any longer, it would kind of drag on a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I wanted to focus on, you know, the two bluebirds and how, um, the one sets them free and the one sticks them in town kind of thing. So familiar, res familial responsibilities versus like the pursuit of passions. Yeah. So what did you, how did the actual bluebird thing, that was when I was reading it, I was like, how does she come up with like specifically like a bluebird? <laughs> I think I actually saw a, like a sparrow necklace and I was like, well, Sparrow doesn't really work as the name of a diner. So no. <laughs> I couldn't, I don't know. I knew I wanted it to be some sort of small town, um, like, establishment that the, all the locals go to. Like, I live in Mascuta, and well, I, mean, I guess Jefferson's. I don't know. Yeah. There is, oh, the Juicy Peanut is the probably, peanut, like, the local gathering place. And so I wanted something like that that would make sense for, like, a 16-year-old to work at. So <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. But I thought, it, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really cool. Good. Um, I'm glad you liked it. What? Okay. So here's something that I'm always like impressed by. How do people come up with names of their characters? Because I don't do any, you know, you know, I don't do any creative writing. Yeah. So it's always interesting to me whenever people come up with, with like random uh -huh. names. I, um, so I like to stick with, especially if they're family members, 
I like to stick with um, like a certain regional name. Does that make sense? Like I wanted like Brie. something popular. Yeah. Well, that. like like uh, like they're both Irish names. Okay. So um, I wanted Brie. I don't know why, but it just popped in my head. Like, and we did a exercise in class where we, or for class where we were we had to like completely outline our character whether or not we were going to use that information in the story or not like she didn't get to go to prom she had to serve food for all the people in the diner because their dad needed help and it was a busy night and like I have all this information about Brie that I didn't actually put in the book or in the story so anyway so I came up with Brie somehow I don't know it just kind of popped in and so I was looking at like baby name websites for another um like flippant more exotic mm-hmm. name that was still like an Irish dialect. So that makes sense. That makes sense. The birdie thing cracked me up. That yeah. was really funny. <laughs> because I was just imagining this girl being like, I'm gonna name it Birdie. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And the contrast between the characters was really I mean, it really kind of brought the story home. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Thank you. I tried to. (laughs) I tried to do it without being like too extreme. Like my first version. Yeah. My first version of the story, Maeve was like kind of, kind of a butthead. Like she just kind of did whatever she wanted. I mean, she still does, but she thinks that her leaving Brie with the diner is a good thing for Brie. Yeah. Whether she, you know, it's the truth or not, but. Right. So I kind of made her a little more human. Well, and I think that's like the challenge is like showing that, you know, making it not cliche like, oh, this person just wanted to do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's actually you adding the part in about her thinking that it's, you know, her sister's passion. Yeah. Makes her seem more human. It makes her seem more like complex Mm -hmm. as a character. So definitely. Do you have any (laughs) comments about your I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like really bad at this, guys. So I know. I'm really sorry. It's um, fine. Sophie's the talker. Oh, I um, am a talker. I don't know. Oh, I have. Oh, okay. there we go. Figured one out. <laughs> um, do you prefer to write? Um, I know you've been kind Figured of Figured one out that yeah, I stole. Yeah. I'm well, just kidding. Well, I know throughout the series you've been kind of curious about it. You've brought it yeah. up to me. And um, so how, do you prefer to write on your computer? Do you prefer to write, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely prefer to write on my computer. I do like to kind of brainstorm on pen and paper, but... Um, brainstorm as far as like a vague outline of what I want to write about for stories for poetry I just like to go straight to the computer I don't know why but I think it's because my poetry goes through so many changes (laughs) before I actually am like (laughs) done with it that it just irritates me to be scratching everything out but one of the reasons why I ask everyone is because one of the kids in our um you're all kids to me but (laughs) One of the guys in our fiction writing class uh, writes everything by hand, like yeah. these long stories, and then types it up. And I'm just like, how do you even do that? I can't do it. See, and when I do, like, do any kind of creative writing, yeah. I do have to write it out. Like, I write... Handwrite it? Yeah, I really? write pen and paper, and then, oh, I like, I handwrite, like, everything. Yeah. Because... I don't know. I end up just like deleting everything. But yeah. I do the same thing if I'm like using my computer. Like I'll just even writing like a like a paper, like a paper. I'll just yeah. like, oh, I don't like this section anymore. Just throw oh, it out. Yeah. Whereas 
Mm-hmm. I'm like forced to keep it on the page. I may exit out, but mm-hmm. I can still have that idea. That makes sense. So I can definitely see it both ways. Yeah. Because once I finally am done, I do like uh-huh. to type it up. So I think my problem is I don't always write in order. Oh, like yeah. sometimes I, I'll start with like, like I think I actually started with the bathroom scene for this, like where she actually drops the necklace so, like, and saves ending. it. Yeah, so I, I have an idea and I work that out and then I kind of work backwards to try and make that fit. And I'll try to add like themes. Like I included a lot of like bird imagery in the story, yeah. like a lot of flitting and floating and hopping. And so I went back and added that after. So I like to like move things around and that makes sense. Rearrange things. And I do that with papers too. Yeah. I definitely do not do, start with I, the first paragraph. I do the, same thing. <laughs> I do the same thing. I just start typing and then move everything all over the place. I'm like, uh, <laughs> this seems like it should go towards the end yeah that makes more sense yeah, yeah. so, so I handwriting i wouldn't even be able to read it by the time <laughs> it's like drawing a bunch of arrows it's like a treasure map <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i definitely use the computer i'm looking forward to writing a lot this summer brandon my husband got me um that computer program scrivener did i tell you Mm-mm. i think it's called i think that's how you say it is scrivener but i don't know it's a program i don't scrivener i don't know s-c-r-i-v-e-n-e-r <laughs> but um it's like a computer program for writers and there's you can do like post-it notes you can have like it com- it'll combine multiple page documents into one giant document so you can if you want to do like a poetry book, yeah. just combine it into one. And I don't know. There's a lot of cool, really tools, really cool tools in there for um, writing. So yeah. he got it for me for my birthday this year. So I'm excited to play That'll with it this summer. Fun. That'll be fun. <laughs> do you do a lot of writing outside, like outside of class? Yeah, I haven't. And um, it's something like it's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to go back to school is because, yeah, I mean, you can write without an English degree, you know, like that's my ultimate goal is to be an author, like a published author. But um, it's something that I kind of, it just fell on the back burner when I started raising a family. And it's, you know, I um, have tried to write a few things here and there. So I wanted to go to school and take these fiction writing and poetry writing classes um, to try and reignite that spark. I mean, really, it's been gone for a long time, so it's yeah. nice to be able to do something again. So yeah. I'm excited well, for this summer because I don't have homework, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all inspired. And, and so you can use some it'll of those be nice. prompts that you didn't. Yeah, have and stuff like that. All and Dr. Mueller's fun games. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to like write a story? I or think do you so. Want to write some poetry or both? I don't know. Like after at the beginning of the semester in poetry writing, I was like, I hate poetry. Like I do not <laughs> like this at all. Sorry, but Dr. Mueller. I know. <laughs> I think I even told her, but um, I think now, like towards the end of the semester, I'm seeing like the appeal of it, and I still don't think I'm like amazing, but um, like I still would rather write fiction, yeah. but um. I mean, I don't know. Maybe one day. We'll see. Yeah. Um, So you also published a poem. I did. In the magazine. Um, Do you want to kind of just tell them about that? Yeah. Um, So the poem that I had published was, it's called My Old Friend. And um, it's in the magazine. And it'll be up on the website soon, right? Yep. And um, I just, I have depression and I've had depression for a long time 
and I am not like medicated for it because I don't really feel like myself when I'm on antidepressants. Yeah. <laughs> and um, usually I'm able to kind of just handle those days with different techniques that I have. But um, a few weeks ago, well, I guess a couple months ago now, but I had a couple days where it was just like multiple bad days in a row. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just sat down and wrote and it was like, I really wanted to get across the message that I can't control when this happens, you know, right. like, you know, from the outside looking in, my life is great. I have an awesome marriage. I have two great kids that love me and I love them. I'm back in school. I get good grades. I have great friends. Like I have a great life, but, um, sometimes this cloud just comes in and makes me feel like I am not worth anything. So (laughs) no, I think that, I think that that's, you know, awesome. And, you know, when I was reading it, it was it was really moving for me, you know, because I've gone through the, some of the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's hard to capture that in a poem in a way that, like, is easy for other people to understand. Yeah. And, you Especially know, people who don't have, have depression. depression or anxiety yeah. or whatever. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it would be kind of nice for us to chat about it a little bit yeah Yeah. i enjoyed it i mean it's i don't know it's probably one of my favorite poems that i wrote so you didn't write that one at all i did not write it for class no did you submit it for class at all it's going in my portfolio yeah okay for your poetry (laughs) (laughs) that i'm turning in tomorrow (laughs) yeah that she's done with yeah oh yeah totally done (laughs) no we have to submit a portfolio well i don't know a folder with uh 12 poems so that we wrote over the semester so yeah that's going in there Probably, but yeah, that's awesome. It was a fun class. So, I mean, if anybody is interested in poetry writing, you don't have to actually be a poet to start off. Like I wasn't, I mean, I think I wrote poetry in like high school, but (laughs) everybody writes poetry. (laughs) I know, but it's really helpful. And I learned a lot. Yeah, I know (laughs) the freaking, uh, what are they called? Are they acrostic poems where you write your name? Like S O P H I E, silly, optimistic, <laughs> pretty. <laughs> Go see uh, uh, Sophie's old journals. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> hand one of those in my portfolio. <laughs> just as a joke, see what Doctor Miller says. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean it was a really fun class, and then um, it is in the spring semester, so it's you could probably write something for montage during it. Yeah. Because we'll need more submissions next year. For sure. Um, (laughs) So unless you have any other comments, I'll try and wrap this up. Yeah, we can just give a little more details about montage. Yeah. So um, right now the the blog is set to post. It's cute to post everything almost. Throughout the summer? Yeah, throughout the summer and and spring. Okay. No, fall semester. Awesome. I don't know why I keep saying spring. I'm like brain dead right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's like all the way through November. Awesome. Um, We are putting up like a lot of our seniors first Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of get their stuff showcased first. And then we'll be slowly working through everything else. Um, and so that's the montageblog.wordpress.com. Yeah. Yep. Right. So if you guys want to check that out, yep, it's the the montageblog.wordpress.com. Um, and then, yeah. That's we are probably going to have a table at... Um, involvement Fair. What is it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I the Involvement gonna... Fair. 
for some like reason, I wanted to say academic excellence day, but that's not right. Well, <laughs> that's like next. Spring. I know again, <laughs> spring. But yeah, the involvement fair. I think it is like the yeah. first week of classes. Yeah, we're gonna have a table. Um, we'll be doing some of the literary interest society stuff, and at the same time, we'll be doing um, just a little sign up sheet to you know just get the get your name down, get your email. We'll send you an email to kind of remind you before Christmas break that you can work on. Some writing, you're more than welcome to work on some writing during the summer. Yeah. Just, you know, hang on to it, work on it. So, yeah. Yeah. It was nice to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Sorry we giggled a lot. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) All righty. Bye.